Hey everyone, this is Doug Melia and this is the Same Kit Different Day podcast and today my guest is Dr Vincent Uzma who's a lecturer at Salford University. Vincent, how are you? Well, I'm fine, thank you Doug. Excellent, good. And how's the how's lockdown treating? I know you've been doing some online courses for your students. Yeah, it's been, you know, it's an unusual uh, situation, unprecedented, but we're yes. coping. We're just having everything done online now. Um, the lecturing, the examination, everything is online now. Yes. And, uh, and um, we're coping. Oh, that's good to, that's good to hear. Um, so I w- for our listeners, I'd like them to know a little bit about you. Um, so if you could tell us a little bit about your career path, um, the, where, where sort of you started out and how you got into teaching, if you wouldn't mind. Oh, yes. Um, thank you for that. I've been a teacher for a long time. Um, in UK, I started a teaching career in a school, in secondary school. Yes. Where, where I was teaching physics and mathematics. And that carried on for about 10 years. Yes. When I, when I decided I need to go back to the university, because yes. prior to that, I was lecturing in a higher institution. Then after 10 years of teaching in secondary school in UK, I decided to go back to university to complete my PhD and then uh, take up lecturing appointment in the university. Brilliant. Um, yeah. But while I was um, doing the PhD, when I was about to finish, I had a short period of time where I was you know, writing up and waiting for my dissertation final approval. Yes. And that period of time, I took up um, I took up um, a teaching supply teaching job in a secondary school, and yes. that's where the incident happened. But that's after right. The incident, yeah. Yeah. yeah so, after so, the... so some of our listeners might not be uh, familiar with what happened because initially I got in touch with you because we actually featured in a documentary together, a French documentary. I don't know if you remember. Yeah. For sure, I do. I do. I do remember. Yeah. So I got in touch with a few people in the clips, and your your story really in, interested me. So yeah, if you could tell us a bit about what the the incident that happened when you were supply teaching. All right. Um, what happened that time? You know, I had a three months contract. Yes. Um, for three days a week, and just in the last week of the, that uh, three months contract, just in the last week. Yeah. Um, there was a student in the class, a year 10 student, year 10 pupil, and um, he wasn't regular to school. And right. whenever he comes around, he's, he's quite a challenge managing yeah. his um, attitude. So for that day, that Thursday, um, he came in, you know, into the classroom. He came in yeah. late, so a few minutes late into the classroom, yeah. you know, running around the corridor with his friends, to one of his friends. So they went straight to the back and sat down. And that was quite unusual. So when they sat down, instead of them to be quiet, um, they started giggling and making noise, drawing attention. Yeah. I tried to ignore him to carry on with the lecture, with the lesson. He brought out his mobile phone and started using the mobile phone. So I had to go back to his state and spoke to him 
quietly and said he should put away his he refused. He said he would not. That's okay. I'm going to take it from you. He said he would not give it to me. I said, okay, then I have no choice than to call a senior management and speak to him. Yeah. And then front, just to start off the, the teaching. I was just trying to write learning objectives, and this boy moved straight to me yeah. um, near the door, in the entrance door. While I was writing that on the board, he came straight to me and pulled out a knife and stabbed me on my stomach. Wow, you, you had no war no real warning to that. I mean, you don't expect behavior to spill over into that, do you? No real warning. It was quite uh, you know, I never expected that. Ordinarily, what you expect is um, the kid may just behave, you know, refuse to do the work or keep being chatty in the class, but not to the extent of pulling out a weapon to no. <laughs> to stab even an pupil or even an, a teacher. So it was quite strange. And, yeah. um, you know, when that happened, it was, I, I thought, um, you know, I thought I was dying because previously, a year before then, a teacher was stabbed in Leeds and the teacher died. I remember, and, uh, yeah. The lady, yeah. Yeah, she died, and immediately this happened. There was a lot of flashbacks coming to my mind, you know, and instantly I started feeling cold, so I thought I was dying. You know, I thought I was dying, and the only thing that came to my mind is my family. I didn't say, I didn't relate with that. I didn't say bye-bye. I didn't say anything to my family. No. Is that how I'm going to die? I started calling Jesus, because I'm a, a Christian, I'm a believer. Yes. In God, God, you know, saving grace. So I started calling Jesus, 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 save me, Jesus. So I was calling that name. I was yeah. being carried. I was being helped by the students yes. to the, you know, to the reception. You know, so I, I got to the reception. They put me down, lying down. So all I was doing, funnily, uh, I was just staring at it, making sure my eyes did not close. The body rallied around. I was to the hospital and they carried out an you know surgical operation. Yeah. And I thank God I'm I'm still alive. Now the incident is later on I started I started hearing or I heard from the court. Because yes. we went to the court there I heard that this boy in question had already told his ahead of time that he was going to stab me, the teacher, wow. simply simply because I'm black and he doesn't like the black teacher, you know, that's what I had in court. And he also, you know, warned his friends that um, if they grasp him up, he's going to, he was going to stab them first. Wow. So, you know, uh, you know, under that kind of uh, strange environment, his friends knew what was going to happen, but they kept quiet. Yes. You know. And uh, that I started realizing probably that's why because it was premeditated. He already planned it ahead of time. Actually, I was told that he planned to stab me a week earlier. So or it could a, have sorry, happened any time. Sorry, a, 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 sorry, a day earlier. Yes. But that wasn't one of the days I was supposed to be in school. Remember, I was in school three days a week. 
Yes. So he planned to start me on Wednesday, but Wednesday wasn't the day I I was to be in school. So he replanned, brought the knife again to Thursday. Yeah. And you know, and unfortunately, that's the day I I work. Uh, it's quite strange. Yes. And then you know, after he started me, I looked around. I turned back. Yeah. I and saw the kitchen knife in his hand, stained with blood. That's oh. when I when I, I realized he had stabbed me. So I shouted his name. What yes. did he do? So I I, did, I was confused. I didn't know what to do. Whether to grab him, whether to rush, wasn't. I didn't know what to do. No, you wouldn't. You, your adrenaline would be through the roof. You did really well to to keep control. So he, he ran out of the classroom, jumped the fence, yeah, and ran straight to city center, and put in his Facebook. That uh, you know the using swear words, the teacher was uh, what funny, and he knifed him in the tummy. That oh. what he was putting on his Facebook. And you know one funny thing, about yeah. fifty something people liked it <laughs> is... on his Facebook on his Facebook page. That's so it's so brazen, isn't it? It's so brazen to do that, and then to, but I think you must have shocked him. You turned him around, shouting his name. It was almost like a teacher, a teacher telling him off. You maintained that role even though you got stabbed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. And well, um, the I know that um, after that there must have been some impact on your family from that because how do you how do you explain it's not you know you you go to school I train teachers how to restrain pupils or how to manage challenging behavior and when it comes to knives we say get get out of there there isn't any safe way of taking a knife from someone so you don't expect your your dad to go to work and, and to come back stabbed maybe if you're a police officer or a security officer you could be prepared for that but surely your family weren't prepared for that to work and start getting ready to defend himself in case of any knife attack at workplace, you know. So just ordinarily going to my normal work. Yeah. And um, at the time of incident, my first son was in, I think, year eight or something like that, or year nine. Yes. It was in year nine. And um, the incident just, um, so he was just, I was just feeling how could it have affected him and um and also my wife was a teacher that time, although he's still teaching now in a college, but yes. that time he, she was teaching in a school as well. I, you know, it really affected her so much that uh, she was even afraid to get back into the classroom. You know, So the whole family, it affected almost every one of them one way or the other. But yeah, somehow, somehow, as we discussed through it, as we... You know, I share with them how I feel and also share with me how they feel. We seem to have been getting um, through it and over it. Good. Uh, um, you know, we, are, we are managing to get over it, but still it's an experience that will never go away. Of course. Uh, yeah. Once in a while, the flashback, you know, uh, comes up and, well, we've been coping so far. And and how did how do you feel? Have you forgiven the, the the young man that stabbed you? Yes, I I felt um, I felt uh, when things happen in life, uh, the more you bear the grudge, the more it affects and drown the person emotionally. So yes. if I if I keep 
you know, bearing grudge in my mind, I'm going to be hurting more in my mind. It's going to be affecting every other thing around me. It might be affecting my family, my new job. It might be affecting everything. But the moment I forgive him and I let go, I became free in my mind. You know, I, I was able to focus on new things. I was able to focus on things I can do in the future, actually to help myself, to help every person in that kind of situation. So I forgave the boy, and um, probably because of my Christian faith, I believe um, there's no point to, to keep bearing the grudge trying to retaliate or find out where he will be to go and uh, revenge. I just forgive him and let go so that I can move on in my life. And then I, I thank God I took that step and it has really helped me to move on and move to a new, a new job, my, a new job that I, I really enjoyed. Secondly, I also looked at the boy's background. Yes. Um, it was such that the day in the court that the parents came, and um, I expected the parents to show a sign of remorse or a kind of say sorry to this teacher that was stabbed by their son. Yeah. And but in court they sat they sat at the far end. They never even looked at me where I sat. They no. didn't bother to say sorry. They they showed no remorse, no concern. You know, immediately after the judgment, after the sentence, they all walked away, you know, walked away. They didn't even say any word. So that kind of attitude, I, I started, you know, I started feeling the kind of environment the boy grew up, you know, grew up yes. from. And probably the boy himself may need help, you know. That's he, right. He might be a person that will need help to come off that kind of attitude and that kind of, um, you know, uh, behavior. So that's why I said I, I felt in my heart to help myself and to, you know, adjust the best thing is just to forgive him and move on with my life. Positivity breeds positivity and negativity breeds negativity. I completely sure. agree with what yeah. you're saying. And it's interesting you touch on revenge as well because, you know, from working in security, I've, I've, I've heard stories of revenge and I've heard stories of people getting revenge on each other. And the one thing I'd say is when does it all end? Because that's how that's how wars happen, you know. One person does something, and another person retaliates. You just think, where 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 does it end? And as you say, the background, the backstory of why people behave the way they do, and perhaps the parents didn't know how to react because we've never been in that situation in court before with one of our children uh, there. Yeah, maybe they didn't know, but uh, normally, um, a normal somebody that something like that has happened. Yes. And speaking up to three months by that period of time, I think mm. the proper thing is to say, oh, sorry. Even if they are not happy with the school, they're not happy with the government, they're not happy with any environment, um, this kind of, this kind of, um, you know, would have brought, okay, for this innocent man, I was just yeah. doing my job. Yes. <laughs> uh, the crowd say, oh, sorry. Uh, not that they're accepting any liability of just to say sorry um well uh, i i wouldn't know i don't know how to you know, relate to that and uh, but probably as you said maybe they didn't know how to handle it i don't know probably who knows yeah. and as you said revenge actually is not the best way because it has its own knock-on effect 
you know, trying to revenge and revenge back and so on and so forth. So I think um, it's not the best way forward. Absolutely. The, um, the, this really brings me on to one of the other things I know you've been quite involved with. Um, you've yeah. done quite a bit of work with the police following this, haven't you, to, to sort of give yeah. back a little bit? Yeah. Yeah, I did that. Uh, the police approached me if I can support them in launching arms amnesty. Yes. And that was an opportunity one can use to, I mean, uh, make the society better. Um, because at that period of time, it was felt that the, the amount of arms in the hands of the youth and the hands of people in the society is quite was quite growing and quite challenging. Yes. So at that period of time, to launch that arms amnesty, asking people to surrender their arms and they will not be persecuted. They can do it during the day or in the night just to drop it somewhere. That could help to reduce the number of arms in circulation. So that's that right. was quite, I, I was quite interested in that and I joined the, the police and we did that and it was quite a huge success. Loads of people you know, surrendered, their, surrendered their arms you know, I think that was the highest number so far. We had that period of time for people to that people that people surrendered their arms, and it worked. Yeah, it does. It does work. I've seen some. I know there's some amnesties, and I think I look at the halls, and I think, well, that's a that's just somebody's knife from the kitchen. Uh, that's just somebody's antique rifle. But some of the weapons that I saw handed in following that amnesty, I mean, there was knuckle dusters with knives on, there was machetes. Because there's no lawful reason for you to have half of the stuff that they handed in. And, you know, it might be an avid collector, but if they get into the wrong hands, as we've seen before, they used... It's 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 impulsive. There's something called coupling as well. They they associate it with 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 suicide, and they talk about that. For example, the Golden Gate Bridge, whilst they had suit um protect nets underneath to catch people whilst it was being built, nobody jumped yeah. off the off the bridge. And somebody said, well, if you just if you're feeling suicidal, you just find somewhere else to jump. And they found it's not always. <laughs> It, it's it's not always the case, and what coupling says is if they if somebody's of that mindset and there's mm. an opportunity which couples with it, then they they can. And I think if that boy hadn't had access to knives as easily, would it would it have happened? Maybe. Yeah, for sure. If if they if you hadn't got the access to the knife at that point in time, probably would have found an alternative way of uh, whatever sorting himself out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Which exactly. wouldn't involve other lives. You know. So um you're right, really, is if we can find a way of removing all those kind of arms from people's hands, it might be a way it might not be the total solution, but it might be a way to reduce a number of occurrence. As you said, if you see kind of the kind of arms people, you know, surrendered, handed in, many of them were quite frightening. Yes. <laughs> and you keep wondering, is this, is, is this um, what people have got in their possessions? And how did they get such arms? Yeah. And without an, without an amnesty, you wouldn't be handed in, because as you said, those are the questions people are asking, but at least yeah. they're off the street with, with no questions asked, aren't they? And so what's your view on restorative justice? Because there's I, I've been seeing some great stuff done with restorative justice. How do you feel about it? Obviously, your case is a good example with you, with you forgiving the person. Yeah. Uh, restorative of uh, restorative justice is quite good and it works very well, especially where the 
perpetrator, you know, is remorseful. Yes. Where, where, where he's sorry, feels sorry for what he has done, and the purpose of, you know, punishment or going to prison or kind of sentencing is to make the person feel sorry or probably going through hard work or uncomfortable environment to be able to feel that, oh, I'm really sorry for what I've done. Had I known better, I couldn't have done it that way. But if for the case where somebody is not showing any remorse and the parents are not showing remorse, it, it might be difficult for that restorative uh, justice to take place. But where both parties, where the, the perpetrator is sorry for what he has done, why not? Is is a good is a good is good to have a restorative justice and people move on. For me personally, I have nothing anymore against against the family, against the boy. So um, uh, if the boy feels sorry for what he has done, he can is welcome to call for that. We can meet and, and shake hands, and yes. that is it. But where he still feeling that um, what he was right for what he did, and um, and um, you know. He, he wasn't sorry. So you find no. out that uh, I wouldn't call for the restorative justice for me because I'm just moving on. If, if they are, if they want for, to call for that, by all means, um, I don't have any grudge against them. If they, if they want that, that's great. The, the police will arrange for that, and then um, we'll have a meeting and you know shake hands. But where yeah. they still feel. Where they still feel um, it's not their fault, or I don't know how can they put it, I don't know. Where they feel they don't feel sorry for what they've done, no. I've moved on. You know, I've moved on. I've That's moved good. on. That's mm. great. And I mean, I think, like you say, there's a background to it. It sounds like there was an element of it being racially motivated. It sounds yes. like he was telling people he was going to do it beforehand. We we yeah. do quite a lot of work abroad, and, and in the UK, we, we tend to call them jails and prisons. And it took me a while to get used to this term corrections, and I had to sort of understand what they meant by corrections. And it was almost like these people in society are broken. We're going to put them yeah. into this sort of factory where they yeah. where they get corrected and they get better. And I think, yeah. do, do you even need a, a building for that? Sometimes it might be a case of getting people to sit down and say, you know, with, with certain crimes, to yeah. say, let's not have the jails full of people. Let's not have this big money-making factory as it's become in some, some countries. And let's try and address what the person's done. Because if it was a big mistake... Um, do we need to set them onto a path of crime by putting them in jail where they're going to be mixing with other criminals and perhaps honing their skills? It's actually a mixed feeling. Uh, some people will go to jail and their life will change for better. Yeah. Why some people will go to jail and their life will worsen and they meet other like-minded criminals and they get worse. Yeah. Um, there's no clear way to, to it. But as you said, discussions helps a lot. Discussions about the crime, what happened, how to avoid it, there's a way it could be discussed. Yeah. And the it will help a lot and the there will be a change of heart. But if it is that only the prison, only just staying in prison may not really make much of a change really. But while in a confined environment 
if there's kind of discussions about the crime and how to avoid it in the future or the impact of such crime on the victims and on also on the victim family and beyond that even yeah. on the perpetrator's family as well uh, some people when their son commits you know you know commits a crime they also have the they feel it they have the impact they're also suffering yes on both parties so if this is discussed properly and the you know the boy has a willing heart to listen and change that will make a lot of a difference yes you know so there's no clear cut of best way to maybe combination of all of them i think so <laughs> yeah a yeah, multi, combination of all of them a multi-agency approach with everybody looking at it from sort of the, from the medical side mm. um, right across through the social side and looking at it that way the um the 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 incident that in question was quite a harsh one prior to that incident what uh, behavior you had to manage because that that i mean that didn't sound like it was going to end up with somebody resulting in being stabbed it wouldn't result in the horrific injuries that you you got what other behavior have you you had to manage apart from that anything as extreme as that before well um there's nothing a physical of a physical contact um kind of um uh, behavior that i've ever come across um probably normal behaviors you expect in classroom set up probably being chatty yeah uh, being noisy not listening you know, disruptive yeah not, not listening disruptive all those kind of things which there are several ways to manage it either you 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 know send them probably put them in isolation or move them to a separate seat or move them around or they're kind of um behavior um Behavior um, tools and behavior strategies, I understand. Strategies, yes, to manage those. But um, not never come across that kind of physical, you know, behavior of physical uh, aggression, you know, before. But this was quite a strange. And um, as I said before, it was a strange one. Absolutely. It absolutely was, yeah. We, do you think that schools are becoming more dangerous places or more violent places, or do you think it's just that we're more aware of it now? I, I think is a, what happens is in school is a reflection of what is happening happening in the society. It's a great you know, when these young ones um, go back go to school, they carry whatever they've learned, whatever they what they are, they take yeah. it to school. And they exhibit it there as well. So I, I think we can, in as much as we can, we can pick up, um, we can start looking at behavior in school. We can also look at behavior at home, behavior yeah. outside the school. How do we manage our children? How do we, you know, advise them? How do we support them? Some children will be outside very late in the night, and some parents may not be bothered where their children are. Yeah. and the kind of friends their children are mixing with, um, that is a part of the parents. And then in school, I think there should be, more, I think most school, some schools now are beginning to have a laid down rule that has to be observed. I know most schools do that, yeah. but then um, in an area where we have um, moral decadence in the society, Yes, and schools located in such areas, we may have to have 
a more stringent measure to manage behavior in that area as well. Now, behavior varies from school to school, depending on location. Some schools are located in an area where there might not be much um, crime reports, mm -hmm. while yeah. some are located in an area where um, crime report is so, or crime incident is so high. So depending on where schools are located, I think that should be also a, a commensurate measure or behavior, um, behavior measure in place to be able to support such school. So some schools are doing well, some are not doing as much as they're supposed to. And there are many factors that contribute to that as well. Yeah, so you think there's a correlation between the social situation in exactly. the area in the school? In yeah, the, I have to agree yeah. with that. I mean, where you've got schools in close proximity, you might have a reflection of different schools, but it, it could be just because of the cohort um, of children that are, that are coming there. I know some schools uh, accept children that maybe other schools don't, and they have to put more um, put more measures in place to, to stop children being disaffected. Because if you don't yes. if you don't like going to school, you're not going to follow the rules, are you? And if yes, your friends sure. or your peer group are impressed by you not following the rules or carrying a mm. knife or acting in a certain way, um, it can easily influence your own behaviour. For sure, yes, yeah. The, um, how do you feel about searching? Do you think if there have been more stringent searching procedures on on the school you were at, it might have prevented the attack? Or do you think that's sometimes futile, having children searched at the entrances? Um, there could be occasional searching. Um, it should be allowed that occasionally yeah. some students could be searched. Yes. Maybe they map out um, just the way we do fire alarm testing. That's right. Unannounced, everybody just comes out to the fire safety area. It could be that occasionally the school may decide, okay, this day all, all students will be searched. Yeah. And privacy respected, they will just searching what they have in their bags and whatever they come with. And then just occasional, that may deter students coming to school with weapons because they wouldn't know the day there might be a general search, you know. And all that, all that said again, depending on where the school is located, it might not be necessary for schools in certain areas, but for some schools in some areas, that um, occasional search, unannounced search, could be a way forward. Yeah, I mean, we, we have, there's already um, legislation and guidance in place which allows the searching of children under certain circumstances and their possessions of bags, trays and lockers. And this is something we've, we've advised on. But I, one of the problems is I think a lot of schools are scared about it because they're worried that they're going to discriminate. I think a lot of schools don't know what the powers are and when they're allowed to search. And like you say, if there was some kind of ethical policy in place that just yes. let children know, on occasion, we might ask to search your bags, I think yes. that would act as a deterrent for, for many people. Yeah, exactly. The aim is not to catch them with the weapons. The aim is to deter them from bringing yeah. weapons to school. Yes. You know? Yeah. Go. Cool. So, what uh, what have you been doing on the lockdown then, Vincent? Because it's a definite change. I know you've been doing some work online. Have you been getting to spend much time with the family? Yes, as a lecturer now, um, the the university is is, is locked down. It's closed. So yes. every of our lectures assessment is done online. We've just done finished about to finish examination online exams. 
Yeah. And it's quite interesting. This is the first time I'm doing online examination with my yeah. students and uh, <laughs> doing an online teaching. So but it, it, it's been going very well. It's, it's kind of challenging when you have your family, younger children around. Yes. You have to manage your family around and also manage your workload. But it's going on very well. It's, it's good. It's going on well. Good. That's great to hear. Well, I'm so grateful I got the chance to interview you. I know initially we'd had a plan to get you to speak at our conference, which is still going to happen, but it might just be postponed uh, for a little bit. So we'll uh, we'll definitely be in touch in the future. Is there anything else you want to add or have we covered everything there? Um, for now, not really. Um, not really. I think we've discussed exhaustively on all the points. Yeah. But thank you very much. Whenever you feel I should involved with your you know face-to-face -face, uh, discussion that's fine no problems i will come around we'll look forward to it vincent you enjoy the rest mm -hmm. of your day thank you very much thank you very much and you too you too thanks goodbye now